Good afternoon, little Saigon, Seattle, and all the places beyond this place, which is pretty much every place else. It is just around 3.30 p.m. here in Little Saigon, January the 12th, 2020. You're the rat. Yes, it's just after 3.30 p.m. in Little Saigon. January the 12th, 2020, Year the Rat. How's your afternoon doing? How's your afternoon? Yeah, I don't know why I'm podcasting again. Maybe because I feel like I loused it up. I feel like I loused it up. Um, and I, I don't have an outline right now. I figure if I don't think about the things I'm not supposed to think about, I won't have to worry about the things I should. You ever just stare out into the distance? You ever just stare out into the distance and say to yourself, What is that bird I see out there swimming in the air? Is that flying protein? Could I eat that bird? If I had to...
You ever just look out into the distance and say to yourself, could I eat that thing I see if I had to? Could I eat it if I had to? Would I be able to boil it or broil it or fricassee it if I had to? Could I debone that rat if I had to? Weird stuff you think about. Weird things you think about when you think about weird things. <sighs> yeah, I was struck by those articles I read on Weekly World News today. One of the articles on the Weekly World News had to do with secret cameras and the snowflakes. The reason why I didn't read that one is because it seemed like it was too close to being possibly true. That the snowflakes were really tiny little cameras and sensors. I know that that can't possibly be the case, but it's so worrisome that even though it was the Weekly World News, that journalistic, journalistic rubric, that standard of all things that are considered valid for discussion, Home of Bat Boy. Even though it was the Weekly World News, I thought to myself, this is way too close to being true. Tiny little snowflakes with tiny little cameras watching our tiny little lives. That is correct. I don't have an outline. I don't have notes. Any notes you'll see in the description will be what the fuck. I just needed to talk. I wonder about the futility of my life. Like, you know, let's say I started exercising tomorrow. Let's say I started exercising tomorrow and I was eating right, the vegetables, the proteins, the greases, the oils, the nutrients, the enzymes. I was doing the paleo, keto, vegan, ritual, sideways, sally. Let's say I was cutting out the bad stuff and only including the good stuff 
let's say I started working out the gym. I started getting really buff and shit. Let's say I started coloring my hair and pretended to be Fred Astaire. Yeah, you know what, guys? I don't know. Maybe the pointlessness of everything is the point. Maybe absurdity is the only path to truth. Maybe the only thing you can be sure of is that you can be sure of nothing. You can be sure of nothing. You can be sure of nothing. I'm just sitting here in Little Saigon drinking my Colombian fair trade Kirkland Signature Costco coffee, organically grown by farmers in some kind of fucking volcano. The mountain richness of the Colombian beans comes from the volcanic grounds of the ancient mountains. The ancient mountains where the tribal peoples lived before the coffee growers came along. Those ancient peoples had ancient ways. Those ancient peoples worshipped the ancient gods that had horns and shit. The ancient peoples of the mountains where the coffee comes from. The place where you get that Colombian rose, dark rose coffee. It's a weird day today, weather-wise, too. It's funny. Last week, they were telling us that we're supposed to get a winter storm, and then now it's going to happen in the middle of this week. And then I wonder if we're going to find out by Friday it won't be happening at all. And it's funny because, you know, if you listen to Dane Wigington, he'll tell you all the weather, all the weather, all the time is completely engineered, predicted, it's all Raytheon, it's all top secret, above top secret, geoengineering bullshit. And I gotta say, the reason why I think he could be maybe a little correct is because the skies do look weird most days. And the problem is weird is not a scientific term. It is not a quantifiable term, it is not a variable, 
It is not a instrument or apparatus. It is a qualitative sensation or feeling that is 100% subjective. Weird. So there are a lot of days, and it's not just here in Seattle. It's why I've gotten kind of concerned about this. When I was in Indianapolis, in some ways it was worse there, although recently it's gotten pretty bad here too. But some days I would look out and it was a blue, kind of a blue sky. Not perfectly blue, but blue enough. And then like an hour later, a couple sprays, a couple little trails, and then two hours after that, the sky is gray. No wind. No wind appeared. It just became gray. So it's weird. It's weird. It doesn't prove anything. It doesn't indicate anything. It's just strange. That might be one of the troubling aspects of our existence because... I know some days you probably think to yourself, Dan, 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 Dan. You know, I read this white paper from Professor Scuzzlebutt, and he says that the human race has never been happier. The human race has never had more gumbus juice. The human race has never been more productive. The human race, the human race has never been more intelligent, more capable, more, 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 more. I promise you, it, there are many Professor Scuzzlebutts out there. You know, a lot of these people work for quote-unquote think tanks, you know, NGOs, really, deep state outsourcing facilities. Yeah, they work for organizations that are really just outsourcing the deep state. And they'll say, Dan, according to this paper, people have never been happier. People have never been healthier. The food has never been cleaner. The water has never been better for you, Dan. And the air, oh my God, the wonderful air, like in August of, you know, 2018, when I could barely breathe, that wonderful air has never been cleaner. But what if that's bullshit too? Like, I'm not saying that you should have the darkest of dark perspectives. I'm not saying you should think of this the way that Guy McPherson does. Um, I'm not saying you have to buy into the, the, the fear-mongering rhetoric, because a lot of that's not very useful. Even if it were true that there's only so many years left um, for us to fix whatever we need to fix, and again, big question marks, because what is reality at this point? Um, even if Guy McPherson's view of the future were true. There's this part of me that wonders if he's not a dick for talking about it. Here's the deal, folks. I would love to believe in the race of clever monkeys that think about consequences. But all the clever monkeys I've lived with over the years, this is what they do. They, they build a box usually as strong as they can afford to, another consequence in the box itself, really. And then they just stuff consequences in the box. Oh, fuck, I'll do this later, I'll do this later, I'll take care of this next year. And the basic hope is that the box will continue to fill with consequences, but there'll still be space left over, and that you'll live your whole life, and you'll never have to deal with what's in the fucking box. And there are a lot of people throughout human history who've lived like that. You know, modern humans are not the first. We might not be the last, but, um, well, we could be. 
but we're not the first really. Probably throughout history, there have been creatures in certain environments that have been favorable. And so they could behave a little less. Um, how can I phrase this? A little, they could be a little less good at survival of the fittest, so to speak. They could be a little less good at the, the evolutionary game, maybe. I don't know. It's one way to look at it. Um, but ultimately, it all catches up with you, right? Like, yeah, there might be a consequence box, and you might be able to fill it, and then you might die. But if you have kids, they're probably going to find your box. And that box will be a box that's going to be there for them. Because here's the thing about consequences. They don't go away. You can hide from them. You can die. But the consequences themselves never, ever go away. You either endure them or you fix them. That's it. You can endure them. You can accept the consequence and say, fuck it. I'm going to build a bunch of boiling water reactors because I want the really nasty, dangerous shit and the stuff I build nuclear bombs with. So I'll build these really dangerous reactors and we'll just see what happens. You know, I'll tell you something. Back in the 40s and 50s, people believed that they were a couple decades away from a kind of technological utopia. And I'm not talking about America in 2020. If you think this is a technological utopia, okay. We do have a lot of technology. I would not call it a utopia unless it's in the sarcastic sense, which is you know the only way we should refer to utopia, actually, is sarcastically. Um, utopia is bullshit. You know, just FYI. So back in the 40s and 50s, I imagine they believed that they could have a consequence box the size of Texas. You know how people, oh, we can have a billion people in Texas, Dan. Well, maybe, maybe we can have a giant box of consequences there. That's what they believed. My dad believed that. My dad believed that science and technology would fix everything. He really did. He believed it would fix everything. Eventually something, that can't solve it. Science and technology will fix it. And he lived in an age of wonders. When he was born, um, the airplane was barely a thing. The car had been around a couple decades. The radio, you know, the, the radio you can listen to, that was relatively new. When my dad was born, um, there were wonders, but nothing compared to what he saw. Like, he was born into an age of wonders, technologically speaking, but in his lifetime, he saw wonders. Like in 1980, when we went to Japan, excuse me, Hawaii, when we went to Hawaii in, in 1980, he flew on a 747. You know, he flew on this big, giant jet with his family. Eight fucking kids and a wife on the way to Hawaii for Christmas. So my dad grew up, I think, in an age of wonders, really. And tragedies and horrors and terrible things. I mean, he served in World War II. He saw some pretty terrible things, probably. He saw lots of things in his life that weren't that great. But he did see technology and science do amazing things. Um, and my father didn't ask too many questions that were quote-unquote inappropriate. So, like... There's a lot of stuff he just assumed. You know, he, he was kind of old school in his way of being, I don't want to be nice about this, ignorant. 
He loved to believe the people in charge were mostly good people who wanted to do the right thing. I don't know how he came to that conclusion, but I think he wanted to believe that there were people who would fix the problems. We have a problem, they'll get fixed. Somebody will fix it. Um, and as far as consequences went, my dad could dump diesel on the ground. He did that all the time. I'm not proud of it, not proud of what he did. But he would dump shit as a logger. He would just dump shit in the woods. And again, from his perspective, it's no big deal. It'll get fixed one day. It'll all get cleaned up. Probably when they tested all those nuclear weapons in the Pacific, there was probably some dude who said, you know what, this is terrible. It's terrible. We're testing all these hydrogen bombs and all these you know, boosted tritium fission devices. And we're even shooting these fuckers into space. What the fuck? But someone will fix it one day. All we have to do is put it in a pile. dad was like his generation, you know? I think he believed that somebody would fix whatever problems we created, eventually they'd get fixed. And my parents, you know, raised part of their family, a bulk of the family, they raised the bulk of their family during the period of that great weird transition of the 70s, you know? The, the we're going to open up China and you know, everyone's going to have a credit card, and oh boy, Velveeta, you know, food is going to change too, people. Yeah, they did the best they could with the information they were given, really. Here's the thing, though. That giant box of consequences, the giant fucking leaky concrete hole that, we've not, that we have now told the, the Marshall Islanders to say, oh, fuck you... You can have our giant consequence box, and yeah, please take care of it for us because... See, fuck you. Yeah, see, fuck you. We dug a hole, and we took the consequences of above-ground nuclear testing, including stuff from Nevada we shipped to the South Pacific. Wow, that's really cool on us. Including dirt from the Nevada desert, and we put it in the hole, and we put a shitty-ass concrete dome on the top, and we hoped and prayed there'd come a generation that would fix the consequences for us. But that hasn't really happened yet. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know, folks. There is no outline to this fucking podcast. I'm all over the place. I'm thinking about 
the sky, I'm thinking about the weather, I'm thinking about the fact that I might not have any good information, that all of my opinions might be shit for the simple fact that my opinions are based upon data that I do not control and data that could be 100% manipulated. Descartes starts his meditations with the kind of thought experiment idea of what if I am being deceived? What if everything I see, touch, feel, smell, everything is manufactured, constructed, not real? And there's this thing, I've mentioned this in the past, you know, you can say the starting point and the ending point for almost every philosopher is solipsism, the belief that nothing exists but themselves. And yeah, I would also add this too. There's a, there's a weird relationship, if you ask me, between being a true solipsist and probably being basically a psychopath. Because if you think there's nothing else to the world but yourself, then what would you not be willing to do? Like, what would be your limits? If the entire world itself is a fiction, except for you, what are your limits? What are your controls? Where do you stop? Where do you start? What would you be willing to do? What wouldn't you be willing to do? That's a good fucking question, isn't it? That's right. What would you, what would stop you from doing something horrible if you thought everything was fake? If you thought your friends, your family, everything was completely manufactured, what would stop you from being a monster? I don't know. I really, really don't know. I don't know what the limits would be. I mean, I don't think everything is fake. You know, like, you know, Rene Descartes, there, there is a path of escape. We can make certain assumptions. But... Is there really any absolute escape from solipsism? Probably not. We've covered this in the past. So maybe everything we talk about is bullshit and maybe it's worthless. I really don't know. I don't know. I, this is a weird podcast because we could be all over the place before it's over. We could be talking about vegetables, different kinds of meats. We could talk about, I don't know... Pizza made of cocaine. Pizza made of cocaine and hookers. That's a horrible movie, isn't it? The Cocaine Hooker Pizza Shop. I get Quentin Tarantino for that one. Do it 1970s slasher style. pizza cocaine hooker pizza of little Saigon cocaine hooker pizza of little Saigon
Yeah, I don't know about a cocaine hooker pizza par parlor. It might be a little too dark. It kind of it kind of makes you think about serial killers who hunt hookers on Aurora Avenue. Thankfully, I didn't end up doing that. That was a job possibility, right? <sighs> Middle-aged white man serial killer. I could have gone down that road, right? A lot of strange things happen in Little Saigon, people. Yesterday, I was taking the bus. I think it was the three of the four. I was taking the three of the four. I was going grocery shopping at Uncle Ike's. I was at the bus stop, and I saw somebody there. He looked familiar. He looked like someone I used to know. Like that Gautier song, Fuck. He looked like somebody I used to know that might have been in one of my ex-wife's circles. I even heard him say to his friend, You know how you think you recognize somebody? Sometimes You know how sometimes You think you recognize somebody Yeah, so I saw somebody at the bus stop yesterday that might have recognized me and might be in one of my ex-wife's circles in Seattle. I, of course, I was wearing my newfangled clothing one of my sisters gave me. The fucking weird-ass Gregly lager shirt, you know, the fucking flannel bullshit with the little hoodie sewn into it built-in hoodie made me look extra scary and weird 
you know, kind of like Unabomber, Unabomber, Unabomber kitsch, you know, Unabomber style. The Unabomber style's coming back. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I think I ruined my fingers. I think my fingers and my hands are filled with parasites, and I think my brain is filled with mold, and I think my heart is filled with nothing but metal shavings and broken glass and gasoline and sawdust and riprap and chunks of old rusty rebar in a general sense of sadness over missed opportunities. A general sense that love, love is so amazing. And when it's gone, when love is gone, Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that whole love bullshit. Love is bullshit. Love is monkey science bullshit thought up by the overlord Klondor in the year 2338 BC to deal with the fact that people are scumbags and that's it. I think love is, I don't know, sometimes I think love is bullshit. Yeah, I don't know if it is, though. I think some people are in love, maybe one or two on planet Earth. It must be a terrible, terrible planet to be in love in on right, you know. It, it, for, for just regular heterosexual man and woman, it must be an interesting time. Or maybe it just doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe, that's the other thing, too, people. Like, you ever wonder if you really are just a completely different species? Like, ignore the solipsis theory for a second. Let's pretend that reality is reality, is reality, is reality, is reality. That's fine.
reality is reality is reality is reality is reality is reality but what if some of us woke up not so long ago maybe in the year let's say 2001 or 2 and nearly all of us maybe almost all of us had been replaced with perfect copies perfect perfect copies perfect down to the very fucking atoms but the souls had been replaced yes what if everyone you know was replaced maybe what do you do then I gotta say, some days I think about that, like, because I just don't even feel like I'm the same species. And this isn't about superiority bullshit. Don't, I'm not going there. This isn't about measuring dicks. This is not about, am I better than every? No, no, no. In fact, maybe the opposite. But I do sometimes wonder, am I a completely different species? Like, does that explain it? Is it possible that, yeah, I'm like a lost kind of, you know, anthropomoid, anthropoid, what if I'm a missing link? What if I am a missing link? Like Bigfoot or something. What if my dad found me in the woods and I wasn't really born? I was found in the woods. I I was a Bigfoot baby. That explained a lot. Bigfoot baby. Yeah, so maybe I'm actually a Bigfoot. Probably why I don't want to get that genetic testing. What if I'm a Bigfoot baby? That is unlikely, about as unlikely as my dad finding D.B. Cooper's body hanging in a tree. As stated in the past, my dad used to dream about that. Going up the woods to work one day, logging, and having fought the tree in front of him, D.B. Cooper. All the money still attached. All that money... cocaine
I don't think I'm a Bigfoot baby. No, I think I was produced by my mom and my dad sometime 4th of July weekend, 1969, probably around 7 p.m. on July the 5th, 1969. July the 5th, 1969, I was likely injected. I was likely conducting or part of a race, a race against time. Who would be the first to reach the egg? a weird podcast so far. We've talked about, you know, my conception, whether reality is reality. Is it possible that I'm a Bigfoot baby? Is it possible that everyone you know had their souls removed in 2001 and they were replaced with exactly the same thing but different and you'll never know and it's going to fuck with you till the day you fucking die? Yeah, I don't know. Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. I gotta start floating my resume again soon. I'm thinking I'm gonna try to find a job as a dishwasher. I know that sounds crazy. But my, my rent isn't too bad. So I think I could limp by as a dishwasher for a while. I'd get some exercise, you know. At least it's a job where you have to do something. 
could I go back to programming computers? Maybe. But at this point, I just, I don't know. I just can't deal with it. For me to get a job that I could do would would require a radical shift in the way that IT works in Seattle. And it's not that it was that great when I arrived. It really wasn't. But then again, I, I worked remotely for a few years too. And that was the first time I came back again. Oh, and maybe the second time. Boy, I've come back to Seattle a few times, haven't I? Yeah, I don't know, but now it's just so fucking douchey. And yeah, there might be one or two places where I'd want to work, but that doesn't mean they'd want to hire me. And therein lies the rub, doesn't it? So I do what I gotta do, you know? You work what you gotta work. If you want me to tell you this, this is the real this is the reality. Nobody owes anybody anything. Period. There is nothing owed. We don't owe each other shit, but it is okay if we want to help each other. Like, it's actually totally cool if we make a free choice to help each other, but there's no fucking you owe me this or I owe you that. And there is no perfect life and there is no perfect career. And if somebody tells you they know exactly what you can be doing in 10 or 20 years, they're lying. When I was studying history at the UW, I had professors tell me, Dan, you want to hear some good news? Dan, you want to hear some good news? If you get your PhD in history, there are going to be so many job openings when you're ready. Because of demographics, Dan. Except the thing they didn't mention is that the departments would be filled with foreigners by the time I got to graduate school. Or at least to any kind of graduate school where I could get a PhD to maybe get a job one day. They didn't really mention that. And when I say foreigners, I mean basically a lot of people who filled those jobs... They weren't from the United States. Maybe they were exceptionally qualified. Who the fuck knows? I mean, looking at the way things work these days and how crooked things are, I don't think that's actually true. But what I can say is this. It's irrelevant. Okay? The future these people predicted never fucking happened. The baby boomers didn't retire. And guess what? These jobs are being filled up by other people. People politically chosen. That's the best way to describe it politically chosen people to be professors. And you know what, guys? In retrospect, my entire life went sideways when I was a teenager. I should never have, you know, gone down the road I went down initially. And you find out later in life that you can't just go and fix it all. Uh, That's okay, too. Guess what? That's okay, too. There's no guessing what's going to happen for sure. Never was, never will be. And there are times in history, as we've discussed before, where things get even more uncertain. I would argue we're living in one of those times. So being sure that you made the right choice, what the fuck does that mean? The right choice today could be the wrong choice tomorrow. That's always been true, but there's times in human history where it's even more true. Where even from day to day, you can't be sure what the fucking right choice is. You can't. It's like that weird-ass fucking uh, conversation we had earlier, uh, earlier podcast about Steve Quayle and the, you know, Cascade subduction plate and, you know, this giant magnitude 10 earthquake that might be coming and everything west of I-5 will be destroyed. 
Maybe that'll happen. It could happen. Folks, nature is kind of a bitch. And, and nature and the universe will do some strange things. If you simply remove the conversation from God and you're only talking about the universe, the universe is harsh. The universe is filled with all kinds of catastrophic shit. And yeah, we, we are here today, but we could be gone tomorrow. That's okay too. That's also just fine. We have a very tentative lease on this existence. Some of us may live really great lives and live to be very old. It won't be most of us, okay? And especially these days. I would say, uh, especially these days. Some of us don't live very long lives at all. I knew a girl when I was in grade school, died when she was 10. I knew people when I was in the service, a few of them that killed themselves. I've known people who've died in their 30s and 40s, and, and you can say, well, that's tragic, yeah, but people die. People die. Human beings die. We all die. This is a limited lease arrangement. We only get to be here for a short time, and once it's done, it's done. Would you, would you want to live to be 80 years old, but, but the last 10 or 20 years of your life, you're kind of just barely getting by, and you've got you know 10 pills you're taking and your knees are all filled with fluid and you're still waking up to work every day at Walmart saying hello hello thank you for showing up and you take 10 pills to make sure you can do that every day would you rather live to be 60 or even 50 and know that you lived your own way that you never had to live according to other people nor be a subject to, nor to make others subject to yourself. How would you want to fucking live and how do you want to fucking die? These are great fucking questions. It seems like in America, we get fed this bullshit that people can be young forever and that we're all going to be able to be, you know, we'll, we'll all be able to live to be a thousand years old. And it's not true. The technology is great. It's fancy. It's wonderful. It doesn't fix everything. And the life arrangement itself is still tentative. Still a lease arrangement. Still, you know, one time only. And when that time is up, it's up. And so if your question to Uncle Dan is, well, Dan, don't you wish you could live a better life? Well, maybe, maybe not. Because, one, I think the life I've been lucky enough to have has been pretty good so far. And number two, lots of people have struggles that I could not imagine. I have pretty good health, you know, other than I guess you could say my mental health. I have pretty good health, you know, and, and so if I wanted to, I could go out running right now. I know you say, Dan, that's crazy. It's not crazy. I could probably can't just, you know, take that for granted indefinitely, but my health is okay. It's just that the other things are the problems with me. You know, the, the things about being okay with this existence. I'm not most of the time. And this isn't really new. This is not new. It's not brand spanking new. It's been around my whole life. So I don't know, people. I don't know.
boy, was this a good idea to do this whole stream of consciousness thing? I did this before. I bet, actually, some of my first podcasts were, were really just like this, just talking about bullshit. Not even any kind of keyboard bullshit, but just bullshit. Talking about crap. But don't you have your own crap to worry about? I don't know. I wonder sometimes about coyotes. Coyotes and monkeys. Coyotes and monkeys that lived together in peace until the Great War of 2836. yourself what if little monkeys began riding coyotes like coyotes were horses <laughs> that was going nowhere coyote cowboy Coyote Monkey Cowboy. Coyotes. Coyote Cowboy.
monkey cowboys and coyote horses. If you listen to this podcast and you can appreciate any of it, which I don't know what that says about your state of mind. But if you listen to this podcast and you're, you currently have a source of income and you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, your cable TV, your internets, your cell phones, your cats, your dogs, the people you love, you've helped everyone out and you still have money left over, that's crazy, and you want to support this podcast, <laughs> come on, how crazy is that? You can support this podcast um, by donating using the Venmo or PayPal link in the description area of this individual podcast. The same links are on my SoundCloud homepage. You can get there with IamSully.com. You are not required to donate. If you don't have the money, please don't. I I mean it. Um, But... If you like the podcast and you want to recommend it to other people, it could help because I think I'm getting some shadow banning from SoundCloud. I don't want to admit that too loudly. But anyways, if you want to like, you know, recommend me to two or three of your friends or two or three hundred of your friends, feel free. You're you're completely allowed to, and that's also helpful. Um, All that being said, you're not required to do anything but listen, and you don't even have to do that. But I do hope for the rest of the Sunday, assuming I don't do another podcast, which would be crazy because that would be four in a day, and that's a lot. But for the rest of the Sunday, I hope you're doing okay. I hope it's blue skies and the wind is at your back and everything's coming up roses.